Check one elf, check one elf. Let's... Happy with your photos, Mrs. James. Yes, thanks, Mr. Rutherford. Oh, and I'd like this film process too. Please. Oh, certainly. And here's a replacement film. On the house. Mr. Rutherford, that's not Kodak. Not Kodak, but quite good enough for snapshots. <laughs> they may only be snapshots to you, but to me they're irreplaceable memories. Tell me, Mr. Rutherford, what sort of film do you use for your snapshots? This one, Mrs. James. Could you trust these moments to anyone but Kodak? Check one elf, check one elf. Let's... Check one, two, check. One more time with check. Check one, two, check. Break a one, nine, check. <laughs> one out of 12. Check, check. Hey everybody, this is Michael Rosso. This is Duane Polku. And this is the Film Photography Podcast for March 15th, 2010. Film Photography Podcast. March 2010. And in my hands I have a printout from popmatters.com and one of my favorite bands is a band called Wilco. <laughs> of Wilco. Wilco. Are they like surf punk? Wilco. I would say they're more country, lean towards a little more country, experimental rock and roll, leaning towards country than anything else. So they're not surf punk. They're not surf punk. They're not like Smash Mouth. No. No, not at all. Hey there, you're a rock star. Yep. Not I like remember that. those guys. And I am fan of Wilco and they... Roger Wilco. Jeff Tweedy leads Wilco. And they... Uh, put out a DVD called Ashes of American Flags, and it follows them on tour. And this is right from an article by Michael Franco from Pop Matters. In the opening minutes of the new Wilco documentary, Ashes of American Flags, multi-instrumentalist Pat Sansone roams around downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma, Polaroid in hand, snapping photographs of old parking lots and buildings. As he notes that Polaroid is discontinuing their line of film, he muses on the passing of an era. And this is in quotes. It's been interesting going around the country and going into small towns because a lot of what I like to shoot is little details of old downtowns capturing these little pieces of fading America with a fading technology. They, they really, they drive into small, little, dinky Midwest towns where there's a lot of old. While they're on tour? Yeah. Stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like the really, 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 really old-fashioned American gas stations where the signage is still 1950s. The old pumps. Yep. Discarded things. Discarded, you know. Come on in and have some sarsaparilla. Yeah. yeah. Buy a piece of gingham. I didn't know that uh, Pat Sansone was a Polaroid enthusiast, and I thought it was terrific. And uh, uh, I, I have to tell you, I'm not... I mean, I don't shoot a lot of Polaroid, and I don't... Have not I don't follow intensely the, the Polaroid uh, the Impossible Project, but uh, I guess the first you know when when, when I I'll, I guess I don't want to say I'll see it, well, I'll believe it when I see it because I I believe the film will come back. What is Lady Gaga's deal with the Impossible Project? Oh, if I'm not mistaken, Polaroid hired Lady Gaga to be like the the, the face of it. Oh. She's not doing it because she just is into it. She's doing it because they actually approached her to say. Mm, I have to tell you, I really don't know. That's I, I should have. 
I, I saw that, and I should have printed something out on that. Uh, the interesting thing about Polaroid, at least here in New Jersey, and we're about 40 minutes outside of Manhattan, if you go to Unique Photo right now, they will still have all the Polaroid stocks in stock. Wow. You know, and they're near, probably nearing expiration. I don't think that in this area, at least, there's a very high demand for Polaroid film. Um, I know that when Kodachrome 64 was discontinued last year, I was I bought two large batches of their last batch, and then when I went back again, it was gone. So there was enough buzz about Kodachrome for them to be out of it. But I don't know. I am not concentrating on Polaroid photography right now. I don't really have my... I'm not really on the pulse of it, other than I know that Unique Photo still has it in stock. So I'm not panicked about it. But um, that was pretty cool. And, you know, last podcast... By the, by the way, we have... Uh, I would say that we have a magazine-sized folder of mail. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I... I we won't re- get to it all, but... We're going to try. I really want to thank... Every one of them. I want to thank... <laughs> I want to thank all the listeners, you know, who are as um, enthusiastic about film photography as I am. And um, really, thanks for, for listening in. It's really a great thrill to know that there are other... Folks out there, both amateurs and professionals, that are really as enthusiastic as we are. And some of the emails were about uh, this CD by the Pink Delicates, which is John Fideli's band. I see suspicion as a few. He has an actual CD out. Yes. The music used in... So I, I, I am the producer of the show, and I edit the show, and I add all the music cues. And for those of you who die laughing... <laughs> great. And for those of you who can't stand it, sorry, the sound effects, which I edit in. <laughs> exactly. The music I use for the opening and the closing cue of... The Film Photography Podcast has been from the Pink Delicates, which is John Fideli's band. And those of you who have listened to our archive know John has been a guest on our show quite a few times. He is um, a great friend of mine, and he's in a band that uh, plays around in New Jersey called the Pink Delicates. Surf Punk? There is a Surf Punk. There, is there really? There's a Surf Rock song on their album. Who's that guy that did, did the... The Ventures. The that Ventures. Gu- that guitar... Like Hawaii Five-0. Yeah, but it was bef- way before that. The Ventures. I thought it was one guy. It was a band called The Ventures? Yeah, a band called The Ventures. The 50s or 60s? Late 50s, early 60s. Oh, the, the, the first surf punk Surf song. band, yeah. Early Beach Boys had a lot of surf type stuff too. The Pink Delicates, the album is called Who Stole the Quiet Day. You can purchase this at Amazon.com. And if you write to Film Photography Podcast at gmail.com, I will send you a copy of their album. And John will come to your house and he will play a surf punk song. (laughs) (laughs) So really, right? I, I, I saw John earlier today. He could not sit in with us today, unfortunately. But I said, hey, I want to give away some copies of the Pink Delicates album. He does not sing. Kevin Neblung sings. That's Kevin Neblung. He sings. He's got a great voice. They got a great sound. And 
I will happy be happy to send you this CD. I really should get the MP3s. That would be that would be very useful. I could easily email like a package to these folks rather. But it's, than, but you know what? It's a nice looking unit. There's a nice. It's a nice it's CD. Back. It's nice having and it as that's a jewel case. The artwork, the photography, uh, shot by Amanda Axelrod, a uh, person, a photographer I know here in New Jersey. She shot the cover. That is none other than Misty Monday. Really? Yes, it is. If you Google Misty Monday, you will see. Wow. Well, you'll see. Well, this is the G-rated podcast, so we can't really talk too much about some of the movies. They're adult in content, but they're not pornographic or X-rated. Not. No, they're not. No, they're not. And most notable, Misty Monday, is she was in, here in the U.S., the Showtime Masters of Horror series in the Lucky McGee episode called Sick Girl. Anyhow, Pink Delicates, we're going to play two, two cuts this show as well. And uh, there you have it. I got an email from Jason in New Zealand who won the Canon AE-1. How is Jason? He said, hey, I listened to the podcast and I heard the uh, that I won the Canon AE-1. Woohoo! Woo! That's so awesome. Love the episode, by the way. And you're absolutely right. I fell down. Like my knees, my knees gave away to my body when I found out what it cost to ship this to New Zealand. <laughs> I thought you would. Uh, uh, Jason, listen, I mean, um, our sponsor, Alternative Cinema, foot the bill, and uh, um, I- I'm, I'm thrilled to send the camera. I mean, really, that's not, a, you know, not. But you notice the giveaways have gone from cameras to CD, so, it, you know. Oh, yes. It's a reflection of. Uh... Well, uh, last Last podcast, uh, I announced, we announced that we're giving away a Agfa Clack, and there's been really zero response. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I, 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 I mean, I, you know, I don't really remember there being an email about Agfa Clack. A lot of people asking for film, which I've sent out. So, Jason, uh, we really, really hope you enjoy the Canon AE-1, and I hope that you've received it. Mail's in. This is a letter from Joel in Brooklyn. Hello, Joel. Hey guys, I found your podcast on iTunes when I searched the word analog, and I downloaded all the episodes before I headed off to work. I wound up listening to all five episodes in one day, and it sure made my day fly by. You guys have a great sense of humor and aren't afraid to say what's on your minds, and at certain points, I was in tears laughing. <laughs> well. Grab a tissue! Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. Because I have to tell you, and it sounds kind of funny, but when I'm editing, and sometimes I put these sound effects in, I, too, am in, t- in tears laughing. I just think it's funny. If you give them a quick sh- short, sharp shock, they don't do it again. Dig it. Keep up the great work, and I look forward to your next podcast. He goes on to say, Joel, that he's been shooting mostly street photography for a while. He ditches Canon DSLR and has been, has been shooting with the AE-1. He picked up a lot of great great info through us. And ha- it has inspired him to, tr- it says right here, it has inspired me to try my hand at developing color film along with black and white, which I already do. C41. C41, just a couple more steps involved. Not that much more difficult. Yep, and you're saying it's a kit. But you can buy C41 kits. Yeah. So Joel asked for some film. I'm going to send him a package. I'm going to see if I could pry a roll of Kodachrome out of my... Uh, my vault, my massive vault. What kind of sound? Of, I gotta listen to these. What is wrong with me? You go to all this work to edit these things, and I, you put in sound effects, and I've not enjoyed. I don't mind. 
I, I, let's put the, I, I didn't know you. they were laden with sound effects. I oh, my know. God. No, no, no. Not, not, not like the Alternative Cinema Podcast, which I also produce. And, and Dwayne is a, a frequent guest on. That is a sound explosion. The uh, Film Photography Podcast, this, this podcast, I, I try to go very easy on the sound effects. I don't want it to become a sound effects. Mr. Mello. I don't want it to be a cavalcade of sound effects. Uh, it really, really is satisfying, Joel, when I read that, you know, our podcast has inspired someone to do something like try color developing at home. I'm a little jealous because I haven't even gotten back to black and white developing at home. Oh, what's wrong with you? So I don't know. I actually have a film bench with like a wooden film bench that a uh, cousin built for me when I was a kid. Really? Yeah, and I have the film trays. I, I mean, I have everything I need for black and white processing uh, development. I don't. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Got <laughs> yes. my butt is swollen. Right. Here's a letter. Okay. It's not often I get a letter that makes me just just drop dead laughing. <laughs> this is a. The heading of this email is expired film, and then it just says. S.O.S. Scott Smith, his address, his Flickr link. You know, it says S.O.S. Expired, expired film, which was, this gets the award for being the simplest, most, uh, the simplest, quickest, easiest, fastest, funniest letter I've ever gotten. Just S.O.S. Expired film. <laughs> like Adam Sandler on the old SNL routine. Give me some candy! Right, exactly. <laughs> Just Give me some film! Yep, so. Uh, Scott Smith, we're sending you out some expired film. I appreciate the amazingly blunt email. I laughed, and I uh, I enjoyed that. I appreciate Emily Blunt. I saw The Wolfman starring Emily Blunt, and I am in love with her. I love, did you see uh, Sunshine Cleaning? I didn't. Oh, she's really good in that. The way she just... She has like a lilting quality to her that's very believable and it's very beautiful at the same time, which oftentimes those two things don't go hand in hand. You look at an actress and she's gorgeous and you're like, she's not that good of an actress. Or someone's a really good actress and you think, eh, she's not that great looking. But she has both those things. Yeah, she's a beautiful woman. Yeah, she's amazing. Terrific. I saw The Wolfman starring uh, Benicio Del Toro. Oh, yes. He was in uh, lots of stuff. Probably murdered his name. I don't know if I pronounced his name properly. Uh, no Country for Old Men. No. He was in that, wasn't he? No, that was. The oh, other he guy. was in. Uh, oh, uh, the movie about uh, Fernando Escobar. Was oh, that right? He was in Blow. Yeah, he was in Blow or Crash. One of those I, movies I that has know. one word in it. Yeah. Blow I, Crash. So here in the U.S., they released a remake of the 1941 Lon Chaney Jr. film, The Wolfman. It's been getting mixed reviews. I loved it. You know, I watched it. I went to see The Wolfman to see The Wolfman. I got The Wolfman. You know, people really? complaining, oh, CGI. And it's like CGI's were was minimal. There was a lot of practical effects. Was it in 3D? It was not in 3D. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed the cinematography. I, I enjoyed everything about it. Uh, okay. This is a letter from Kevin, Kevin Collier in Kent, Washington. I found your podcast through Flickr and listened to the last one first. That was the two-plus-hour marathon. It filled my commute both to and from work and was highly entertaining. I, I had that Ansel Adams book, bought new in the 70s, and stupid me, I think I sold it at a garage sale. What was wrong? What were you thinking? 
<laughs> what were you? Let me just let me just like. What were you thinking? He's at Saint Ansel. You don't take a book by Ansel Adams and just. Oh, I think I'll put it on a table with an old vinyl record. Maybe someone will buy it. No. Like many others, I started way back in the 70s and late 60s with an Xmas gift from my parents. A Kodak 126 or something or another. Square flash cubes. Yes, I still shoot with those. He's, I'm saying that, not him. Oh, how do you uh, find him? Well, I went to my parents' house and I retrieved my camera. Mm-hmm. A Keystone 126X. Keystone. 125X, I should say. And I uh, went on eBay and I bought uh, those square magic cubes. Oh, they sell them on the bay. The bay. They're not new. They're, I mean, they're, I'm sure they're, they're vintage. They're like 30 years old. Yeah. And I started shooting with that camera. I love the look of that camera. Um, uh, Kevin goes on to say that um, his gear of choice right now is a 50s Zeiss 2 and a quarter folding folder in an Olympus XA. He says, keep the podcast coming, and I'll listen to the first four. <laughs> By the way... Can I score some of that free film you are handing out like candy? Yo, bro, uh, got some film for me? I see you guys are handing the film out like candy. Like candy. Like little children uh, drooling over a, a box of candy. It's like the scene in the the original Willy Wonka. The candy man. Yeah. Who can take a sunrise? People picture me in like the white ice cream man suit with the white hat in a little shop just filled with expired film. Was that Sammy Davis Jr. who did that song? Yeah. Sammy Davis Jr. wrote the song. No. He no, recorded no. it. Anthony Newley wrote the song. <laughs> Anthony Newley wrote the song and didn't perform it in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. This is from what I read. Not, I did not know Anthony Newley. In case you don't know, Mike, of course, is a film producer and he's a film head and he's a film buff. Yeah. So every now and then this discussion goes towards... Anthony movies. Newley... He was offered the part in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. He said no? No, to play the, 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 the Candyman and to sing that song. Oh. But he felt that the part was too small, so he turned it down. And he wanted the main role, which Gene Wilder played. And he was wa- great in it. He was great in it, and did not, uh, he didn't get it. Anthony Newley, his, his sound, you know, he kind of has that. <laughs> That's a vibrato. Oh. What's, what's that? My cell phone, I didn't turn off. Let's see what it says. But the song was actually recorded, and it was a big hit for Sammy Davis Jr. It was a huge hit for Sammy Davis huge. Jr. One of his one of his biggest last hits. Yes, 1972, I want to say, Sammy Davis Jr. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, <laughs> remade by. I have no idea. Oh. I know they did Billy Crystal. You know the comedian Billy Crystal. No. You know the. Yes. He, he did a he used to do a bit. Oh, where, really? Where he used to dress like Gandhi. And and, hand, and the thing was, you know, of course, Gandhi was a person who fasted. Yes, of course. And, but he would hand out candy and he'd call himself the Gandhi man. Oh, that's very funny. That yeah, is very funny. He was a very funny... Oh, Tim Burton did the okay. remake with Johnny Depp, and I like the remake as well. This is a letter from Ashley Hoff from Happy Valley, Australia. Happy Valley. Hey, guys, found your podcast quite by accident, and I have to say that I'm addicted. Love the laid-back banter. You know, well, thank you very much. I hope all this... I hope all this attention doesn't spoil us, Dwayne. Like in a few months, we'll have be like, "Hey, welcome to the F- We're Full of Ourselves podcast." Well, We're full of ourselves. Mike, what's with my parking space? <laughs> what is up with? Where's my, my my town car? Wasn't on time today. Can you believe this guy is shooting with a Olympus camera? The nerve of him! 
The, the very gestalt. <laughs> this is, I'm reading the letter. I know you guys appear to be into the color sides of things. I think it would be cool if you could touch more on the grand world of home processing and black and white. Oh, we're gonna. That's basically the only film that I shoot much anymore is four by five black and white, and I process it myself. You do. So I'm, you know, pert near, not an expert, but I know a lot about it. Do Do you have any intention on shooting the newly released uh, Kodak Ektar four by five? Ooh. I mean, I do you... drool at the thought. I have not gotten a box of it. Yes. Um, but I went on the LF Info forum, and a guy got a box of it, and he said it's, it's just the sharpest, finest grain large format color film he's ever seen in his life. Wow. So, I mean, it really... Uh, and then 35 millimeter and two and a quarter was a beautiful film too. Yes. So I'm, I'm sure, you know, they might make it in eight by 10 sheets. I think they might. That's amazing to me. I, I've been very tied up with my jobby job producing here at the uh, Pop Cinema, Alternative Cinema Studio. And I had not had the time to reach out to, uh, to contact Scott at Kodak to see if we can get some film to test and to give away to you kind folks out there. Wouldn't you guys love free rolls of Ektar? Oh, my goodness. We're going to work on that. Yeah, we are. Scott, give me some from! Home Black and White... <laughs> here you go. Uh, Ashley goes on to say, Home Black and White okay, is and the... Ashley. Is it A-S-H-L-I? A-S-A-S-H-L-E-Y. Still, that's, that's good, too. Ashley <laughs> could be a male or a female. Oh, that's right. Yes. It's probably male. Think so? Ashley traditionally was a male name. Think of Gone with the Wind. Oh, Ashley, Ashley. You're right, but that's a long, long time ago in the Deep South when men were sort of in St. Germain and they had names that were very French. Ashley says, Ashley says, home black and white is the duck's guts, the the bee's knees, and really not that hard. You know, you don't need to get into it as heavy as I had. Anyone with a daylight bag processing tank, scanner, my knowledge of junior high chemistry can do it. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much, Ashley. We will do an entire podcast devoted to processing. Um, I could use phone. the brush up, believe me. This is from Brandon J. DePew. He is in Emporia, Kansas. Emporia, Kansas. Brandon, I would like to know how far are you from Dwayne's? That sounds like the name of a mayor. Brandon the J. DePew. The Honorable Brandon J. DePew. You're absolutely correct. Brandon, I want to know how far you are from Dwayne's photo. Oh, that's right. Dwayne's is in Kansas. I send 90% of my film to Dwayne's and 10% to Clark Photo Lab. You know, the place that scratches your nakes. Anyhow, I dream about Dwayne's. Do you really? Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's like a mythical place to me. I send them my Kodachrome and they send me back my uh, my transparencies. Uh, Brandon says, hey guys, first off, great podcast. I listen to constantly at work. Well, I don't know, Brandon. Should you be working? <laughs> I I mean, he's st- the mayor. He can exactly. He I'm, makes his own hours. I'm a student oh. that is studying photography with a focus on fashion. I was curious if you guys have ventured into Facebook. Uh, I added Dwayne on Model Mayhem and enjoy his work. Well, thank you so much. I wouldn't call it fashion. It's more like glam fitness is the term they use now. The kind of things you see. Well, in- he's he's fo- he's focusing on fashion. Oh, yeah, my bad. I started out working in digital, but watching other students blow through 8 gigabyte card in a shoot made me realize this machine gun photography getting way out of line. He has two Mamiya 645 bodies. Nice. And I haven't looked back. I heard on your podcast that you give away film. 
Well, actually, you know, for whatever bunch of these letters, I'm, I'm, I'm giving away some film. I'll, I'll, I'll say it once. <laughs> if, if you guys want some, I'm going to talk really low. If you guys need some film, then send me an email. Let me know if you shoot 120 or 35 millimeter, and uh, I'll send you out a package. But uh, I'm going to go down on the down low about the film because I haven't inventoried my uh, fridge in a long time. Well, Brandon, I want to thank you for the letter. I want to thank you for uh, suggesting Facebook. I am on Facebook. Dwayne is on Facebook. And I'm going to create a film photography podcast fan group because I think that Facebook listeners will, quote-unquote, stumble upon it as people are stumbling upon us on Flickr and on iTunes. Mm -hmm. It's very satisfying to know that these... uh, places on the web like itunes that people are finding us it's terrific Mm -hmm. good suggestion and um brandon i want to wish you luck with that free film i'm sending you Mm -hmm. just we're gonna we're gonna just make this a a, a massive free film and camera giveaway in the near future right we're gonna become a film giveaway like depot it's almost gonna become insane well here's the thing i you know i spent probably too much time on the internet and i love ebay i love ebay and so many film photographers that are switching to digital have these massive freezers of film where they have bricks and bricks of film and they are just clearing it on ebay because they've gone to digital and they say I'm never going to... They debated for a while. Right. Should I keep it? Should I not keep it? You know what? I've bitten the bullet. I've gone all digital, so I'm going to get rid of this film. And it's short-dated or sometimes out of date, but as long as they've kept it refrigerated, it still works just fine. Absolutely. And endless film on eBay, and I buy it. I don't buy like a roll or two. I buy like 50 rolls. I recently moved a few things around here in the studio, and I actually moved a refrigerator in, which is over there, Dwayne. Oh. And the film is not in the fridge, but the film, I bagged the film. Dwayne, the film that I have must be like 100 pounds. Really? It was three large, and I mean large, large garbage bags of film. Large. And they were heavy, and they're stored now in a back room here, which is about 50 degrees. Heavy? Naturally 50 degrees, because this is an old building made in the 1800s, and the walls are stone. This is a letter from Bill the Cat Clemis. Year of the Cat. <laughs> He's in Wall, New Jersey. You know where that is, right? Sure, it's where Raceway Park is run. <clears throat> By the way, before we get into Bill the Cat's letter, you know the uh, Lubatel shots we took last podcast? Lubatel. This is called Your Scientific Lubatel Experiment, a letter by Nigel. Nigel's in London. I listened to the latest podcast the other day, and it made, it made a very long car journey much more enjoyable. It seems like a lot of people are... You know, plugging our podcast into their device, their MP3 device, mm-hmm. iPod or whatever, and it seems to be making their trips more enjoyable, their commutes to work more enjoyable. We are their companions in the journeys. Yes, I think it's fascinating. People are fascinating, and I find it fascinating that you know that our little podcast here in Soprano Land, USA, is making these commutes all over the world in your earbuds you know those little earbuds yes i do in your ipod earbuds right now your scientific lubatel experiment i think you said when measuring the distance on your lubatel shots that you thought the numbers marked on the lens were in feet 
well, I have to tell you, Nigel, I did think they were in feet. I hate to break the news to you, but my 166U is marked in meters. <laughs> so you may have problems. <laughs> oh. And I can tell you, Dwayne, that we have some problems. Oh, they're in meter. You know, I'll tell you something. Having quite a bit of familiarity with older cameras, I did not see any sort of uh, engraving on that scale that said feet or meters. And, you know, usually if it was meters, you'd see like, I don't know, one, two, three, four. I was going to blame the blurry pictures on us shooting a low shutter speed. I think we shot a 30th of a second. Now, a 30th of a second handheld could be a little shaky, right? Sure. Because this is a math problem. The lens, a 90 millimeter lens mm-hmm. or 80 millimeter lens on a, you know, six by four piece of film at 30th of a second. I mean, maybe at 30th of a second it needs to be on a tripod. Yeah, but I mean, you can see a difference between something that's in focus and out of focus and something that's that's blurry and sh- and sharp because you held it steady. There is a you can tell that difference. So when these did you get these photos back yet? Our scientific Lubatel experiment is a failure. Really? They're completely out of focus, Dwayne. So then what we're you, we're interpreting we're measuring in inches, but the uh, the scale was in meters, and that lies there and lies the problem, right? I don't know. Shockingly, I took the same camera, the Lubatel, to uh, Pete Jackalone, mm-hmm. director of Psycho Sisters. Dwayne and I know Pete very well. He has a band called the Dirty Blondes. We discussed this last time, didn't we? Kind of. I, I, I think I said, I'm going to go shoot Pete Jackalone's band, or I did, and the pictures aren't back yet. Well, I went, and I brought the Lubatel, and the pictures came out fine. Really? Maybe... Maybe I, a close range, as we were doing... There's some focus issue, but when you're shooting at infinity, everything just comes together. I don't know. I shot the sixtieth of a second using a flash at an f-stop of probably f eight or eleven, mm-hmm. and I think we were what, what much wider open. I think we were at, we were at four. This, I mean, look, I, I mean these are hardly scientific scientific experiments. When I shot Pete's band, I really did it. I brought my Canon. 35 millimeter and the Lubatel for fun. I was like, oh, let me shoot some shots with the Lubatel. The Lubatel shots I thought were better than the uh, 35 millimeter shots. Really? More satisfying to look at. So, yeah, our experiment was a, a real bomb. Oh, I like to be in the draw for the Agfa Clack. Well, I have to tell you what, Nigel, I'm going to put this letter on the side. If no one else wants the Agfa Clack, you got it. So, I'll put them over here. Let me. Next to uh, the the post-it that says, Canon FT to Rebecca Darren from Edmonds, Washington. I have yet to email Rebecca to get her address to tell her. Oh, come on. <laughs> Back to Bill the Cat Clemens. Hello, Bill. Uh, Bill is in Wall, New Jersey. He says, love the podcast. And I look forward to each new show. The Jersey point of view does make it a lot more fun. And in addition to being highly informative. Listening to the current episode, I see that your audience is growing, and the word is getting out that film is still valid. Absolutely. You know, our Flickr group, which started out at zero, one member, me, mm-hmm. now have, we have like 200 really four members. I mean, which is not a lot, but I mean, we started out with a handful, and, and it is consistently growing. That's very, very cool. Bill the Cat goes on to say, it's it's good to have a platform that makes us folks who shoot celluloid seem a lot less like 
Ludlet community. Ludite. <laughs> Ludit. Isn't that a, a Tolkien term? Isn't that a... And a lot more like real craftspeople. Ludit. And the Ludit. Bill Murray character. Uh, it's a great thing about these, uh, these kids who write in. Is they, got, they got a lot of references to the, the pop culture, like Ludit and... Uh, you mean got, like, uh, what was uh, the... Dalai Lama was a close personal friend of mine. And what was that... I got that going for me. That, uh, <laughs> Bill, what was that... Uh, what culture is this from? I don't. It's it's L U D D I T E. It's yes. Yeah, I know mythical. it's the word. It's, it's ludite. It's or, mythical. I think it's. I I'd have never used the word in my life. I think it's a. Uh, it's a Lord of the Rings reference. I think I don't know. Oh. That being said, I thought I'd mention the equipment I'm using. Currently using a Nikon F G. Nice tool of choice, followed by the N six zero zero six and F G, also Nikon. I also have a Mint Bolex. H16 that I'll be using to shoot a trailer for a screenplay I hope to film next fall. That's awesome. You know, I also have a Bolex, which on eBay I've been buying up 16 millimeter 100 foot spools of Kodachrome. So I'm going to shoot some short subjects. So there is some Kodachrome movie film out there too. Super 8 and 16 available wow. on eBay. All expired. Who who processes that? Dwayne's. Nope, they movie film too. It's crazy. I'm hoping to get some scans done for the night uh, night shots and flicker group. Uh, Bill goes on to say. So Bill goes on to say about. Holy smokes! Bill goes on to say that he's uh, going to do some night shots, and that if uh, it's no trouble, can I send him some chrome film? Wouldn't be too much of a problem. Of course. Okay. Of course. I'm saying of course. It's your, Mike's the one with the film, and I'm like, yeah, sure, of course. This guy says, Michael, one favor to Axe. A-X-E, Axe. I'm listening to the program usually late at night, doing whatever, scanning, scratching, etc. Now, I don't know if you mean scratching eggs or scratching himself. And have the sound just loud enough to hear comfortably. Suddenly, the screaming voice blasts out of the speakers. And I'm jumping up to turn down before the wife files a complaint with the authorities. No, I'm not whipped. Just being considerate for a change. Please, just turn down that scream a couple notches, would you? I hate to spill my scotch all over it. This is from Iggy. All this is is caused by UFOs. This is a one-man band, so to speak. I I produce the show, I record the show, I'm the sound recordist, and it's difficult to read and to work a mixer at the same time, and many times... You know, all of a sudden we'll get excited about something. Woo! And it'll just, you know, go, kind of go up. Yeah. So um, we currently do not have an audio engineer engineering the show. And that's that's basically the inconsistencies with audio on the show. I apologize for that. I'm going to do the best I can not to wake your wife out of her sl- slumber. And um, there you have it. You know, it's such fun to give somebody something they've never had before what I got from my wife. Something so new, it wasn't even around last Christmas. It's the Kodak Pocket Insomatic Camera. There it is. No, it isn't. Where'd I put it? Gotta see this camera. It's about, oh, that big. To load it, you just slip in a film cartridge. She's gonna love it if I can find it. The great thing about it is it's so small, it's right in your, in your pocket. <laughs> even smaller than I remembered it being. Now I can show you how great it is. You can carry it with you wherever you Easy to load. Maybe a small camera, but it takes big, sharp, clear pictures. Look at these. Aren't those great? 
The Kodak pocket Instamatic camera starts at less than $28. The complete outfit's a little more. Just tell them to remember which pocket they put it in. Special thanks to our webmaster, Greg Dumont, and his KillerReviews.com website. Check it out, KillerReviews.com. It's a movie lover's site, B-movie lover's site. If you are into B-movies and movies, check out KillerReviews.com and Greg's podcast. And special thanks also to Alternative Cinema. And that's at AlternativeCinema.com. This is from Scott Webster from Minnetonka, Minnesota. Lake Minnetonka. It just says Minnetonka. But you know what Lake Minnetonka is famous for? No, please tell me. Prince's movie Purple Rain. And um, he's there with on the motorcycle, the big dramatic scene with, uh, what's her face? Um, uh, Apollonia. Apollonia. And then he's talking about Lake Minnetonka. He's going to drive her to... to, to How does that song go where do, when doves fly? How's that go? Dig, if you will, the picture. <laughs> you and not engage in a kiss. <laughs> I drove a cab in 1984 in New York City, right when that album was very, very popular. One of my first days driving a cab, there's this beautiful, crazy, like, club chick yes. sitting in the back of my cab. And she just looks at me and says, this is true. She goes, dig if you will the picture. And I went, what? <laughs> she goes, you and I engaged in a kiss. And I said, what? What are you talking about? And she was like, for some reason, this woman, she'd probably been up all night partying, felt the need to quote a, a, a Prince lyric. That's pretty amazing. She was a beautiful woman. She was gorgeous, yeah. Well, this is from Minnetonka. Hi, Michael and Dwayne. Enjoying your podcast very much since I, am, I, too, am an avid film photographer. Maybe he doesn't like Minnetonka. Maybe. I like your approach. You're not experts and want to learn more and are sharing what you learn with us. You are right. You can learn a lot by using the Google. I have. The Google. I'm telling you, that Google is something else. When I see a camera, like the Clack, on eBay, I just hit the Google and amazed at the, the information that comes from, like, Camerapedia, or if it's a Kodak Brownie, there's some fan brownie sites. The Google. Scott has Nikon equipment. Started with autofocus, got a DSLR, used it occasionally, but now I'm enjoying using my film cameras most of the time. Uh, he goes on to say that he processes film in my bathroom and scanner eggs on an Epson 4990. The quality I get from the scanner is very good for the enthusiast that I am. A learning curve in scanning. I've been scanning my own eggs for at least five years, and it comes easy, and I edit in Photoshop Elements. I am also a panoramic photographer. I have specialized cameras for this, a Noblex. Nice is a brand manufacturer made in Germany. They are were made for 35mm as well as 120. The 35 has a negative size of 24 by 66 Noblex 135U. The 120 is 6 by 12. The Epson 4990 is perfect for scanning these. I have an Epson R1900 printer, and I usually print the panoramic 8 by 24. They look great. I have not gotten into panoramic photography. Well, there's different kind of cameras that are designed for panoramic photography. Some of them, they're just a uh, one lens, and they just exp- their image circle is large enough so that it covers a big piece of film. So that, uh, you know, you just put in a 35-millimeter piece of film or a 120 piece of film, and uh, you get a rectangular image. I believe the Noblex, and uh, he can correct me if I'm wrong, actually rotates. 
It's actually the kind of camera that uh, I believe it goes it's spring loaded or something and then you release it and it rotates 180 degrees and actually scans an image on the piece of film. So those are the two types of panoramic cameras that I know of and I think the Noblex is the uh is the rotating watch. It's so cool. Yeah. Another camera you should check out is the Minox 8x11 sub miniature spy camera. That's an entire that's an entire borderline fetish culture is the Minox. Did you know that? I did not. I have not. You know, I am a big enthusiast of the Pentax Auto 110-110 camera, and I am very into 110 photography. I have not gotten into the sub-miniature. I believe some of these cameras use like, like a, it's a special film. It's not 110. It's a it's the little teeniest, tiniest little cartridge, I think. I got he says I got hooked on these precision cameras about six or seven years ago. Haven't used recently. My dad had one when I was a kid, and now I own several. Film for these is harder to get, but available at ten dollars a roll. Yeah, I haven't really looked into whether it's you know sixteen millimeter film, or can you use sixteen film, or is it a specialized? I don't know enough about. It. I'd have to do some research on this, and uh, I think it's worth discussing at a future podcast. Uh, he's bought most of his gear at K.com, K-E-H. Very good. I've had no problems. I usually buy excellent and very satisfied with what I've gotten. I guess they rate products. Keep the podcast. I look forward to hearing it. Keep up the podcast. We're going to keep up the podcast. Here is a article that was referred to us by Alex. And I'm going to – want me to keep reading or you want me to turn this, this article over to you? No, I'll read a short one. I'm not – you just – we can read that one. Photo- Photoshop and photography. When is it real? In the March issue of Popular Photography magazine, the editor's note by Miriam Luchter is called What is a Photograph? You th- you'd think that after 75 years, a magazine called Popular Photography would have figured that out. Bada-bump. It actually says that. Actually, though the editorial is about the magazine's annual Reader's Photo Contest, this year in two of the categories, the winners were what the magazine calls composites and what I call Photoshop jobs. One photo shows a motorcyclist being chased by a tornado. Another shows a flock of seagulls wheeling wheeling around a lighthouse in amazingly photogenic formation. Neither scene ever actually existed as photographed. Now, in my experience, photographers can be a vocal lot, and a lot of them weren't crazy about the idea of Photoshop jobs winning the contest. Here's a list of things people do to and for photographs, ranging from innocent and traditional to the dangerously artificial. If you were running a photography contest, at what point would you draw the line and say, that's not photography anymore? And he gives like a list. So why don't you and I rate the list? Sure. Like, uh, we'll see if Dwayne and I agree. On but the thing, the, the thing that I think is important to bring up before we rate the list is the definition of what photography is has certainly changed. There's a whole new gener- whole new generation of people that have only used digital cameras, and now when you see different types of Photoshop plugins that are available, like high di- high dynamic range software and things like that, they're now even becoming plugins. Are they are they're part of the firmware of the actual camera? So you can take a picture in your digital camera. 
you can press a button on a menu and, and all of a sudden it becomes an HDR looking image, which a lot of people know what that is. So to those people, that's photography. They were, they were raised on the idea or they're, they're coming of age with the idea that that's what photography is. They don't even know about film. So to them, it's sort of like saying, they'd look at you and say, well, why isn't that a photograph? So it's only with people, I think, that really have experience using film and, and capturing those things that are in front of them without any sort of uh, compositing man manipulation later that think that that's not photography. So, I mean, you know, what is and what isn't photography? It's just my, my matter of an opinion at this point. Well, well, some of these are pretty obvious. Like, for example, here's some... What's right away? Go ahead. You move the camera to get, to get the best possible shot. That's photography. Yeah. Yeah. You attach a lens that takes in much wider or closer view than you would get with your eyes alone. Of course. Yes. You choose a shallow depth of field providing the sharp subject, blurry background look of professional photos, which look nothing like reality. But does it? Because your eye is a relatively shallow depth of field lens. And if you don't believe me, focus on something in the distance and put your finger in front of your eye. And what do you see? Do you see two, two images of your finger. Okay, that's so. See my point? Mike's doing it. I don't see anything. Get it? So the I mean, yeah. The only reason why you things have the perception of being sharp, near to far, is because number one, you focus quickly. You're used to doing it, and your brain interprets it that way. See, I think this is a very hot topic. For example, you set up lights to illuminate a scene in a way that nature never intended. See, to me, it's still. It's like when I choose to shoot something. I choose a film. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna bring, I'm gonna shoot this subject outdoors using tungsten film. I'm gonna, I'm gonna light just the subject with a tungsten light, which means the rest is going to appear like night blue. Mm -hmm. So I've manipulated using the film to the look that I want. I consider that photography because I am approaching it from a craft perspective. Is it any different if you did it digitally? So it's saying, you set up lights to illuminate a scene in a way that nature never intended. I'd have to go with a yes, that that's fine, that that is photography. You're just, you're just manipulating lighting, right? You bring in a professional crew to transform a model's skin, clothing, and hair. I mean, I think this brings home the point of, I mean, you can go on and on with this type of stuff. What is photography? What's not photography? But see, then you keep going here. He says... Um, you bring the photo into Photoshop to make the colors pop a little more. Is that or is that not photography? I don't know. I mean, people have been dodging and burning and changing contrasts in black and white prints for 100 years. Well, I guess, <clears throat> see, it gets more intense. I'm, I'm not reading all of them. You use the 3D modeling program to create a photorealistic scene that never existed anywhere but in your imagination. That's, that's art. That's art. For some people, it is, sure. That's absolutely art. You can get it. This is not a black and white argument as far as I'm concerned. It's sort of like whatever you're into as an artist. If you want to take an image of a person and then bring it into Photoshop and create a fantastic background that never existed in reality, you're making a representation of what is your art, your vision of what you want to see. Whether it's, I always say, is it is it pleasing to look at? Is it... Is the final image pleasing? Is Does the final image work? I mean, when I post my photography on Flickr, I usually don't add this, but occasionally when I shoot a shot that doesn't look real for whatever reason, I usually post that this, you know, no Photoshop manipulation because I want the person seeing it to know that I did it in camera 
and I did not right. do a lot of post production. Mm-hmm. The question, of course, is what should be the rules for a photo competition? And um, I don't t- participate in photo competitions, but I know what he's asking, and I know it's getting a little difficult these days because so many people are using you know digital. I would say that if a photography contest in popular photography. Dwayne has to be like over ninety percent digital. I would say almost all of it is, unless it specifically says film. This is a film photography contest. Yeah. I mean, I think that us, our listeners, you folks out there, I mean, we're, and it's fine. I mean, we're a niche, we're a small but excited group of people who are using, you know, uh, chemical, a chemical process as opposed to the digital process. Well, this was from Pogue's post, the latest in technology, from David Pogue. And I thought it was kind of interesting to, to, to read. And also, you know, he, he, he said it's sort of unusual for a magazine that's been around for 70 years to even post that question. It's become just a topic of conversation and a topic of article writing in magazines in general. You know, what's a photograph and what isn't. Yeah. Because I know people will read it because they want to know or they want to enter into that fray. Hey, this is from Justin Channel. I know Justin. Justin's a filmmaker down in West Virginia. I'm sending an email in regards to the giveaway for the Canon AE-1. Well, I already informed Justin that he did not win. Sorry. Yeah. But I did tell him I'm working on getting another. I have the box of uh, people. That's the box with the entries from last time who did not win. I'm trying to acquire a uh, Canon AE-1 package to continue the Canon giveaway. Uh, I think that would be awesome. So I told Justin to kind of just... You know, hang on to your hat. You know, it's not over yet. Uh, He goes on to say, I'm a filmmaker. And uh, he started making movies when he was 14 using digital video. And uh, I've been trying to pick up... um, He said he never had the opportunity to experiment in small-gauge film. And what's interesting to me, at least, about this is the new generation of filmmakers and, and film photographers. It is the opposite. You know, people, as we discussed, Dwayne, people are starting in digital and then going to film out of curiosity. And for me, it was just, you know, I had no choice. There was no digital photography when I was, you know, being uh, raised, you know, and I was able to uh, utilize my parents' camera, and that's all I had as everyone else of our generation. Justin Channel is using the uh, Pentax Auto 110, which is one of the world's smallest single-lens reflex cameras for 110 film. Justin Channel wants to... um, Kind of uh, move to move on to 35 millimeter. Anxious to kind of start working in 35 millimeter. That's why he entered the contest. Uh, he's at uh, Flickr.com forward slash photos forward slash Justin Channel. That's J U S T I N C H A N N E L L. And he's posted all of his 110 images up there. Justin Channel recently made a trip up to New Jersey to attend the Night of Dangerous Music. Oh, how did that go? It went great. This was a group of filmmakers. Did I discuss this last time? I think I did. Hmm. A group of filmmakers called Chainsaw Kiss. They're not a rock and roll group. They are a group of filmmakers, and they ran out of money while shooting their 16mm and Super 8 feature called Blood Wings, a horror film. And so they put on a benefit of music where four bands played for eight bucks. You know, you get in for eight bucks. It was at a bar, and I went and I shot it. Justin Channel made the trip up. He knows the folks as well. He brought his uh, Pentax Auto 110. We chit-chatted about 110 film for quite a while. So, Justin, thanks for writing 
and thanks for uh, tuning into the podcast. Thank you. Vic DeBonacore. This is a very short message from Robin. Just a quick note to say that I'm out here listening to your podcasts in the UK. In the UK, loving film and loving the podcast. Thanks so much. Keep up the great work. <laughs> well, I thank you. This is a gentleman that stumbled across us. I stumbled across. I stumbled upon your podcast through Flickr's many camera gear photo groups, and started listening to your podcast. I love the show. I've been a film photographer since, since 2002 with a 1969 Minolta Hi-Matic 7, which I still have. Today, I still shoot film right next to my D3000 using an F3 or F80. Recently, I got into the 120 format using a Lomo Lubatel 2. I, I currently use either a Yashica 12 or Rolleiflex 2.8 F planar. Nice. I had one of those. Is this a folding camera? The Rolleiflex? Yeah, what is a planar? A planar is um, a type of lens. Uh, I don't believe it has to do with the construction of it, but it has to do with... Um, I believe it's a model of lens. Well, it might be. A, like, there, Zeiss had different names for their lenses. There's Zeiss Tessar. There's Zeiss Planar. And um, a whole bunch of others, which escaped me at the moment. Hmm. So it, it, that was a type of Zeiss lens. And uh, Rolleiflex hired the, the Zeiss company to make their lenses for their cameras. Right. Very nice. And Alex is from Milton, Ontario, Canada. Hi there. Just stumbled. This is the f- We have a lot of stumblers out there today. Great. Stumbled upon your site while researching about 35mm photography. It's fun listening to your podcast. I'm a newbie to photography anyway. The internet and some old books are my resources. This, this letter was from Bill. John Bill Chua. Novice hobbyist photographer in the Philippines. Philippines? Wake up, toys, or you're going to miss Christmas Eve with the Kodak Disc. Someone got the family a Kodak Disc. Just look at all the shots they're not going to miss. There's never been a time that's better than this to give someone the Kodak Disc. Nothing's easier to use than the Kodak Disc camera. It loads in a snap and knows just when to flash. No wonder it's such a great Christmas gift, Christmas gift. So when you go out and shop, just remember to stop. Want to do the book of the month and we'll read some more? Book of the month, book of the month. It's time for Dwayne's book of the month. Dwayne! What's the book of the month, Dwayne? The book of the month is Lind Waitofer's Stone and Silence. Now, Lind, the name is L-I-N-D-E. It might be Lindy, but I think it's Lind. And her last name is pronounced, is spelled W-A-I-D-H-O-F-E-R. And she did a wonderful book called Stone and and silence. And I know a lot of people listen from around the world. And one of the most beautiful places in the United States to see um, geology and to see multicolored rock and canyons and, and nature just defined by those things is the American Southwest in a place called the Colorado Plateau uh, of northern Arizona and southern Utah. I'm a big fan of it. I think I might have even brought in a couple of books before that were dedicated to this area. But Lind did a book about it, uh, it's 35 millimeter uh, color photography, and uh, she goes in this book and describes how, you know, the quality that you can get with 35 millimeter cameras when they're tripod mounted can uh, 
which she says, you know, I approach it almost like someone who'd be using a four by five inch camera in terms of the precision and, and the carefulness that I put into shooting. And her pictures are just exquisite. And she has a website, or you can just, I'm not really sure what the website is, but you can Google her name. And uh, so if you love color photography, and if you love uh, the desert, and you love canyons, it's really, really, really bold color. What is the, what is the author's name? Lind Wadofer. Spell it? L-I-N-D-E-W-A-I-D-H-O-F-E-R. And uh, did you mention that she's shooting Kodachrome 35 millimeter? I don't know if this is Kodachrome. I got to. Oh, okay. It might be. Uh... Let me ask you a question. Many times I venture out to the uh, Ringwood State Park and I shoot landscapes 35 millimeter. Am I cutting myself short by shooting handheld? Should I be mounting my landscape photography? You know, my shots. Should I be mounting a tripod? I definitely think so because. If you want to enlarge them, well, if you want to blow I, them up, I mean, I, yeah. If I'm shooting at 1 25th of a second with a 28 millimeter lens, aren't I shooting fast enough so that regardless of whether it's handheld or on tripod, it's going to be sharp? Well, my, my theory is, you know, 100, 1 25th of a second or whatever, it's just a slice of time. So would you rather have that slice of time that you're exposing your film done with a camera that's steady or a camera that's not so steady? It's still... You know, yes, it's fast. Okay, yeah, it's fast. But it still does make a difference because the time that you're exposing, there's a certain amount of movement, even if it's the movement from you breathing or, or slight trembling in your hand or something like that. It does make a difference. I think it makes a difference. And I've looked at a lot of different studies where people have said, yeah, you know, this is one five hundredth of a second. Look, look at the difference. I mounted this on a tripod and I handheld this and they zoom, they, they crop a, a piece of the film and they, they blow it up and you could see a, a definite difference in, in blur. For real. For real, yeah. And it depends on how steadily you can hold it, too. I think that if I'm out shooting in a park, you know, especially a leisurely shoot, mm -hmm. there's no reason I should not become more adjusted or more... I should spend the time using a tripod. DeWitt Jones, who's a 35mm photographer for National Geographic and he's, he has a uh, column in Outdoor Photographer magazine, has made his entire career on hand-holding pictures. Oh, okay. So... It's just style. What style. You, what do you feel comfortable with? So, uh, Dwayne, one, one more time, the name of that book this month. Stone and Silence, the photographer is Lynn Wadoffer. Is Lynn still putting out books? Yes, she has a website, and she's uh, really one of the pioneers of the e-book. Do you know what an e-book is? Yes, I do. Use uh, Adobe Acrobat. Oh, yes, yes. And you, you scan your images into Photoshop or upload them however you shoot. And when you're done, once you're done editing them, you uh, you do a nice sort of layout in a, I believe it's Adobe Acrobat. And then she has a website where you can uh, she has a sample book I believe it has to do with Mexico. They're beautiful, beautiful photographs. And she has uh, some books that you could actually buy. It's the, it would be the equivalent of a full length book, but it's an ebook. And she also publishes hard copies as well. Uh, one of the titles which escapes me, it ha the subject matter is. Um, foliage in Colorado, like the, you know, different colors of, of the fall and autumn. It's encouraging to see the, see a, a beautiful book like that. Beautiful book. The it's images a, are otherworldly. Otherworldly. There, there are parts of the Colorado Plateau, like the Vermilion Cliffs uh, wilderness area, the Paria Canyon wilderness area, uh, different places in Utah that probably most people have never even heard of. And she shoots it in such a way where she's really focusing on uh, design and composition that almost makes the image appear like an abstract rather than 
the typical sort of you know, travel brochure or postcard scenery that you would see if you went to these places and went to a store and picked up a postcard off of a rack. Right. There's a lot more artistic vision going on, uh, you know, and, and her ability to, to isolate things with long lenses uh, certainly makes the compositions a lot more graphically stronger. And her choice of isolating things, you know, for color, like like this shot right here, everything looks, the, the hues are tending towards yellow, uh, dawn near Dead Horse Point on plate 36. And if you... Uh, Look at a couple of others, Lower Antelope Canyon. Antelope Canyon is a really, some people think it's cliche and some people think that it's an over-photographed spot uh, near the town of Page, Arizona. There are a lot of drainages that drain into Lake Powell, which is a Glen Canyon um, National Recreation Area. And one of the most famous spots is Antelope Canyon, made most popular by, initially popular by Michael Fatale, um, who owns a gallery in uh, Springdale, Utah, and he just did some shots of these amazing canyons, and he sent it to Arizona Highways Magazine, which for those of you who are not in the United States, is a travel magazine for Ari uh, for the state of Arizona. And they, it kind of got like a cult following. Photographers would say, oh, look at those colors, look at those designs, where is that? And it kind of leaked out that this was a canyon near Page called Antelope Canyon. And every, I mean, you go there now, I, I've been there two or three times, and you go there now, and it's just, you know, they, they, they you have to pay to get on a bus, and they take you on a sandy wash, and, you know, you know there's a hundred people with their tripods. It's become really, really commercial. But this, this book was photographed, I mean, and produced in the 1990s, and it won the Western United States Book Design Award in 97 and 98. So that was a time really before those places became overly photographed and they before they even remotely became cliche and she did a, a really wonderful job with it so if you like those sorts of things it's something to check out amazing amazing ebay i, I bought this in a store back in the 90s i bought it when it had its first run uh i think i was in i was visiting utah arizona and i got it but you can certainly find it on ebay and uh what is the name is it light she has a website you can just google her name and I'm sure you can get a copy of it from her website. And you can see examples of the pictures that I'm talking about. Oh, that's great. Thank you for the book selection this month. You're welcome. I was going to read a few more letters. Go ahead. A site you guys should check out is www.shorpy.com. Shorpy? S-H-O-R-P-Y.com. It's a photo blog that mostly shows pictures ranging from the late 19th century up until the 1960s. A lot is from the Library of Congress. And there are a few folks that show things from their personal collections. The stuff on there is great from Chris. I went on there, and it was a shot on there. It was like a early 1900s, three kids sitting on a curb. You know, in the early, early part of the 20th century, uh, cities were filthy. People filthy, filthy people would filthier than they are now. Before there were like sewer systems. People mm -hmm. used to, you know, throw their sewage out the window to the street. No, they did not. People threw their raw sewage into the street. Human waste. Yes. You know why they probably did that? No. Nope. Because the primary mode of travel was horses, and they were so used to that. You have to understand before you know homogenization. <laughs> For Louis Pasteur, there were people. It was very there wasn't a kind of a knowledge of disease and germs. People did not even know that germs existed. Yeah, I was reading an article once about the uh, because those of you who listen to this know that I really love the Southwest, and the first person to travel down the Grand Canyon, his name was John Wesley Powell, and this guy was this guy was a, a professor of geology in the 1800s. You had to be really sharp to go to college. You had to be a sharp cookie to get that deal. Yes. And so he said he wrote letters saying, "Oh, the American Indians always talked about 
they were referring to microbes, but they had a special name for it. The American Indians believed that life existed on a scale so small that you could not see it, and it infected you and caused you sickness. And here's a professor going, oh, those Indians are so childish believing in those. Like almost like the spirits. The spirits, they're tales of fancy. And in fact, it's true. Of course. So yeah, I see what you're saying. People did not believe, didn't even know what disease was. The shot was a filthy street with, there was some like, you know, horse-drawn carriages and three kids sitting on a curb. (laughs) Playing with poop. (laughs) No, close. And then in in the background, in the gutter with them, was a horse dead on its side. Oh, my God. And, a, a, and on the curb, a stream of water coming down, down the block past the horse under their feet, which was in the water. Oh, my God. Think of like, you know, it was earlier than like Little Rascals. Little Rascals here in the U.S. was the Hal Roach produced 1930s, you know, our gang, vagabond children running amok. And there was this picture on shorpy.com, S-H-O-R-P-Y.com, that showed this slice of life from whatever, I want to say late 20s, maybe earlier. And I found it amazingly shocking that, you know, these children are playing in the street and there's just a dead, rotting horse corpse, you know, just a few feet away from them playing. Let's go, let's go play in the water. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you very much, Chris. That was an awesome site. I encourage people to go check out the, that uh, photography. Dead. Rotting. Horse. Corpse. This is a letter from Jenny Buckley. Jenny, um, some of these letters are older because we have such a massive amount of letters that you know we, we couldn't catch up. Uh, Jenny was in the contest for the AE1. By the way, as I mentioned, I still have the entries. We're trying to get some more AE1 packages. So if you did not win the AE1 package, it's conceivable you can win in the future. Jenny says, I love street and snapshot photography. I'm always in the car, walking around, wishing I had a good film camera to capture these moments. She says she has a Yashica FXD, and it's falling apart. And um, she's a junior at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, on a full-ride scholarship, dual majoring in secondary education and art with a photography concentration. I like UNLV. Yeah. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks for the letter, and... uh, Hopefully we'll have an AE1 for you because you're still in our mix. I um, took a geology field course in college once and I went out to Vegas and the professor from UNLV took us up into the uh, the Grapevine Mountains, was it? And you always think, oh, Las Vegas, it's nothing but casinos and hotels. And it's, it's you know, it's actually a very small part of the city. That It's a wonderful university. Hmm. You've been there. I've been there. I spent several days there once. Years ago. This is like the 70s. There are, have been some emails coming in of mm-hmm. people telling us how to pronounce their names. You remember we murder some people's names? Sure did. Like, remember Dan Dommy? D-O-M-M-E? Like, Dan Dom. Yo, like, Dommy. What is it? Dommy, Dan Dommy. Dan Dommy. Well, Dan wrote, he says, it's pronounced Domi. Domi. D-O-U-G-H. Me. Domi. It's spelled D-O-M-M-E. So it's a Domi? Domi. Domi. Uh, Dan Domi went on to tell us that he won an Agfa clack on eBay, which is terrific. And, uh, you know, I've been on a few, uh, blogs, photography blogs lately. I have a blog and, um, of course I don't have it handy on how to get to my blog, but, uh, I like your blog. I read it quite frequently. Oh, thank you. 
thank you. Um, I try to update my blog as much as possible. So I went on a blog, and it was a blog in that particular week or month or day. It was Holga Photography. You know, and I, I have a problem because I, I want to say I'm classically trained. When I say classically trained, I'm... Hours and hours in front of the piano. <laughs> Mr. Rasso, lift your pinky just a little bit higher. What is the problem? <laughs> I went to school for cinematography, and everything is, is, is revolves around getting a sharp, crisp focus. I mean, I mean shooting film photography, shooting motion picture photography where we're shooting a moving scene and you have a focus puller working with you, you know, measuring and then charting where the character is moving from point A to point B and pulling focus and and that whole shot in a motion picture, your your job, your 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 whole credibility of being a director of photography is hinged on, you know, the character in the scene moving from point A in focus and then moving and then by by the time that person walks from point B of still being in focus. And sometimes when you're watching a film, you can actually see yeah, the move, the focus shift. Yes. You see that focus Absolutely. shift from forward and near, yeah. So I am so trained to make that image sharp that I'm having a very hard time dealing with lamography. I'm having a really hard time shooting with a Kodak Brownie or shooting with an Agfa Clack. A, a camera because of your generation, that they don't produce sharp images. Of your generation, your, your film was projected. What good is a projected image if it isn't super, super sharp? But there's so a that's, whole. That's what that mindset is. That why that mindset persists. There's in, a in whole scene though of people shooting with Diana, the Holga, and these cameras do not produce sharp images. And I can't. I'm having a hard time saying to myself, it's, it's okay. okay. I'll tell you something. Now, I went to that photo we show that you and I went to in October yes. or November, and we did a podcast on it. It's about five or six years ago, and there's a guy who just took images, and he intentionally he intentionally made them go out of focus. Like, he focused on them and then focused a little bit more so that it would go blurry, and he blew up these beautiful, huge prints. And there was a section of the show, as you know, the, on, the, on the convention floor, there are uh, you know, little sections where they put up prints. Absolutely. And, Everybody kept walking by them going, well, they're, they're out of focus like that. And I, right. I, I even said, well, they're, they're all out of focus. You know, right. it, was just, it was so disconcerting. I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. They're out of focus. I, I'm having a hard time. Like, like I, I, love, love, I love the fact that the Agfa Clack produces this, you know, six by nine negative. It's, it's amazing. But I can't get it to focus. I have a, a, a Kodak brownie bullseye camera that has a plastic lens and has you know you know four to six feet you know you move it you know eight feet six feet infinity i can't get a focus at all they're out of focus so of course the pictures i'm taking are not sharp and i'm having a hard time with it folks out there i really am i can't let go of the fact that i that something in the frame needs to be in focus (sighs) i don't know any hints for working with the clack are also appreciated. Well, Let you know go, what? Mike. Dan Domi, I can send you the. I have yet to email. I'll put you at the top of the list here. Send you an email. I have all the information about the clack of what you know because there's exposure value on the clack. It's like 15, 16. You have like three settings. Click, click, click. And I, I, I figured out what it means. You know, I don't know. I'm gonna keep 
shooting with some of these plastic cameras and maybe like one day you know the light bulb will go on over my head take a picture of that uh this is a letter from jeremy he enjoyed our marathon when you go broad joisy it cracks me up the english one was not bad at all too he says your english accent wasn't too bad oh well thank you keep up the organized chaos that's what it is yeah without a doubt i mean i i you know I pull this together. I pull all the the, the, the mail together. I, I try to come up with a focus for the show. Uh, organized chaos. That is perfect. It's good that there are a few film photography podcasts to keep the balance. Yeah, you know, I'm not really aware how many podcasts are out there. On film photography or yeah. just in general? I'm sure there's like a handful of film photography. And I'm sure there's a mega, or as I would say, a boatload of just photography podcasts. A lot, yeah. Yeah. Well... Thanks for the letter. Thank you. This is Jeremy. Jeremy's from uh, the UK, so if he's saying your accent is uh, okay. Well, all right then. Yeah, I mean, different areas of the UK. There are. There's a lot of different accents in the UK. Yeah. Like, Most people think like the UK accent is, you know, uh, Dick Van Dyke's really bad Cockney from, what was it? Oh, Mary Poppins. Oh, so bad. Yeah. It was unlistenably bad. Well, my friend Tom Moose, who lives in Manchester, mm-hmm. and that's a different accent than, you know, the Manchester accent. From a, I would say, a London accent. Brilliant. All right, then. Like some, some of them are very sing-songy. You know. Yes. Yes, sing-songy. What have you got to say about that? Yes. All right, then. Like, I remember when Johnny Crash was here and his girlfriend would say, So, Twain, do you like football? Who, very, very bouncy, right? Very bouncy. Like, Who's your favorite football team? I said Manchester United because, you know, David Beckham played for them. That's the only... Di- I love Manchester United. I love them. David Beckham. Yeah, because that's because the only the only team that I knew. Right. But she was very sing-songy like that. Yes. Very bouncy. It's very nice to listen to. I remember. It, it, you know, it was very nice to listen so to. So nice. And when she would try an American candy that she, that was lovely. not available in the UK, she would eat it, and so she's like, "Ooh, that's lovely." Ooh, that's lo- that's lovely. Yes. Yes. You know, and it's it's sort of like if, if you have a woman who has a nice voice. Yes. It's very calming. And it's very, there are probably people in England that think it's the most horrendous thing. But I, I find it very here, very sexy and very like in, calming. In the U.S., love to hear people with British accents. Love it. I don't know why. Love. I love mean, it. Love it. It's like and then there's like people think like, oh, I think governor. It's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, governor. Everything's governor. That's I don't harsher. Know That's a harsher. No. The Dick Van Dyke uh, accent was a harsher. But he really didn't. There, he would lose it like sometimes. Like yeah, he'd, he'd, he'd start a sentence and he would go out of it and he'd come back in. But he, you know, I don't want to diss Dick Van Dyke. The Kodak Pocket Instamatic Camera. This was a letter from. Uh, how do you pronounce this, this name? Torbjorn. Torbjorn. Where am I looking here? See the name Torbjorn. 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 Well, B J O R N is Bjorn. So Bjorn. I would say Torbjorn. 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 Nagard. Can I read this one? Yeah. Hey, thanks for the great show. Looking forward to next month. I don't know if you will send film to Sweden, but if you do, I will be very grateful. Best regards, Torbjorn Knegard. Well, I'm going to tell folks out there, I I did send some film. When I, when I, you know, we run out of cash, (laughs) I'll ask everyone, hey man, we need a break. (laughs) Because it's so, the Postal Service in the last few years has gotten so expensive because of fuel prices going up. Right. It used to be, I know it sounds funny, but it used to be that you'd be able to buy a pizza pie, a 
a pizza, you know, hey, pizza, a New Jersey pizza. Jersey pizza. For $5, like a whole pizza pie for $5. And I forget, you know, the years are drifting by here. I'm forgetting, like, like I still think of it as a $5 pie. A pizza now is $10. And it's a lot of that is what's called fuel surcharges of them getting the cheese and the supplies shipped into the pizzeria. They're getting hit with these fuel surcharges. It's not like they got a cow to back their milk and to get mozzarella. Exactly. And I see here in our shipping room, you know, we ship UPS, FedEx, U.S. Postal Service every day because, you know, Alternative Cinema is a DVD company. And on the bills, you see, you know, fuel surcharge getting killed with fuel surcharges. So, yes, it is very expensive. Here's a letter from Jay. He says, I'm Jay, a Filipino architect currently oh. based in Singapore. I am not a photographer. Then why are you writing to us? Jay, Jay, what? 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 Look. what? <laughs> why are you writing, Jay? No, here we go. I only started shooting film last October when my wife gave me a Holga 135 BC as a birthday gift. I've been listening to your podcast almost daily. Wow. Yeah, I... Somehow memorize some of the lines already. Mimicking your New Jersey mafia accents. I don't think you can even come close. Jay, I don't even know, think you know what you're talking about. There he is. You hungry, T? You want to send the kid for my Jeff Fresh? I did for Phil. See, Jay, because it's like uh, you got to kind of live here for a while and hang out with some wise guys. Hey, and... Jay, I'm going to meet you at the back of Ralphie's, okay, later on. Well, Ralphie's is Jay? You're going to find out. I think the best representation of a fictitious New Jersey ha- is, and we talk about it every episode, and listeners are now, oh my God, you guys are talking about The Sopranos. Oh yeah, for sure. Rent those discs or buy those discs. Ep- season one is like unbelievable. He disrespected that being. I want to sit down. I mean, so much more than The Godfather. So yeah. much more. The whole New Jersey thing. So... And the thing is, of course it's fiction, but I'm telling you, these guys exist. Those guys, I, I went to school with many of those guys. Yeah. For yeah. real. I, I, I don't know what to say, you know. I mean, I love the show The Sopranos. I don't know if many Italian-Americans did not like The Sopranos because they thought it glorified the idea that if you're Italian-American that you are involved with organized crime. I'm Italian-American, and I am not involved with organized crime. I shoot film photography. Jay, the Filipino architect... He, shoot, he shoots mostly Lomo cameras. Uh, he would like us to review the Superheads. Superheads. Blackbird Fly. Blackbird singing in the edge of night. I was listening to the Jan 15 podcast and was expecting you to discuss the BBF produces very good photos with sprockets. 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 As an alternative to using 120, the BBF, which is the Black Bird Fly, was my second camera. It produces fair quality images. It is a toy. So I I googled Superheads Black Fly. The Google. I super I googled Superheads Black Bird Fly. The Google. And the second link down was a um. It's like a a male enhancement supplement for like the urban. Superheads Black Bird Fly. Superheads. It does. Get your freak on. <laughs> and the second or third link was for uh, a gentleman I know by the name Nick. He has a store called the Four Corners Store. It's a online 
shop that sells 35 millimeter expired film 110 film um holga cameras 110 cameras um superheads cameras and i've bounced emails back and forth with nick that's nick and i see many times so i dropped nick a line i said i received a letter from a listener about these superheads blackbird fly would you be interested in sending one to us to test and then after we test we'll give it away and nick said yes um i don't have it yet but uh, we will keep you posted so jay thank you for the letter and i move forward and i'm gonna we're gonna try to test the superheads blackbird fly <laughs> i think we're done excellent i got through all the letters you did i didn't think you were going to yeah i'm, I'm really very glad. impressed I'm, I'm glad i got through all the letters oh you know what i have two really quick a letter from chris who stumbled upon us by chance late last year he forgot how he thought he'd drop us a line he's 16 he may be 17 now he lives in the uk he rediscovered film about a year ago and he sent me a link to his Flickr page flickr.com forward slash kippy small socks kippy small socks That's is that flick- you it's flipper doc flipper flipper, flipper doc- is that you Flickr.com forward slash K-I-P-P-Y-S-M-A-L-L-S-O-C-K-S. And I made some notes, Chris. I enjoyed it very much. I enjoyed it very much, especially a shot of Ellie the Pooch. E-L-L-I-E. The Pooch. You know, a dog. So uh, I really, really enjoyed that shot. Great stuff, Chris. And... A letter from Daniel Adams, and we included uh, his image, Rough Waters, in a, a, a previous podcast. Remember when we went over, we went through a gallery? Yes, that's a very impressive gallery. That day. Yep, and he sent us a link of a gallery using the Agfa clack. Really? He has a shot called Shadow of Me, and I thought it was, and it's an abstract, and I thought it was very nice. And see, that's where you can get away with using a camera that's not quite focused. It's not very great for just daily photography of yeah. If you're shoot. capturing things where you want to see what you're yeah really see what they, they look like, it's probably not the most ideal yeah. thing to use. Yeah. But for more abstract stuff, I, I would say it's uh, oh, I'm still shooting with the clack. You know, I'm still looking for that focus. Flickr.com forward slash photos forward slash de de forward forward slash dodo forward slash forward slash day day forward slash D-A-E-N-J-A. That's flickr.com forward slash photos forward slash D-A-E-N-J-A. And look for Daniel's sets, and you'll see a Agfa Clack set to see his images. So I want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, Dwayne and I are trying to score some uh, Kodak Ektar 4x5 sheet film. Is it called sheet, sheet film, right? She film. I think yeah. we should try to get just some of it all right around, like 35 mil, 120. We're gonna try to, we can get. We're gonna try to get our hands on uh, some film from Eastman Kodak Company to share with you folks and to test. And um, I'm trying to acquire another AE1 package. There's so many cameras, especially AE1s, where it's like you know untested. You know, junkers. Like, how am I supposed to know if? The, it, look, I understand a lot of people sell on eBay and don't know. Uh, are not photographers or just get it through a, a, a you know a uh, cleaning out sale an estate sale but I only buy from people who you know pre-owned that can verify that it was their camera and it was well cared for so I don't want to buy a junkard 
So especially to give away to you guys. Thanks very much. Uh, we'll be back next month, April fifteenth, which here in the United States is uh, the day you pay Uncle Sam. Give me your money. In the U.S., it's uh, April fifteenth is Tax Day, the day that the government collects the tax from us. They come to your house once a year. Don't laugh that you know. I don't laugh about taxes. I don't either, man. It's nothing to laugh about. I pay my taxes and I file them in a timely fashion. And uh, I do too. Although apparently, if, you know, if you talk to radical groups, apparently taxation is voluntary in this country. You know what those people are called? No. Nope. Prison inmates. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to tell you, I, I, look, I pay my taxes as well. I'm thankful for the things we have around us that we take for granted like our police force, our fire department. Really, I mean, that's that's a motivation. Most people, they pay their taxes because they have to or they don't want to get in trouble. But beyond that, things cost money. You our know? municipalities, when it snows, these salt trucks that come out. I mean, you know, running my own business has taught me one thing. It has taught me that take nothing for granted and everything you do costs an incredible amount of money. Running my own business has really taught me that. And I'm, I'm very thankful for what I have here in New Jersey, even though we're in Sopranos land. And unlike the Sopranos, I don't just take. <laughs> I don't just hijack that truck. Hey, Paulie, we got some DVD players here. Look down the way. Yeah. <laughs> so. Come out about 5 o'clock, look down the way, no one's got time. We're going to see you on April 15th. April 15th. Let you know how we made out with Uncle Sam. <sighs> and uh, we'll have our book of the month. A reminder to please email us at filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. We're playing more cuts from the album The Pink Delicates. If you'd like a copy of this CD, then please do send me a email. If you want the uh, – it's a, a very nicely packaged CD. It is very nicely packaged. Yes. Very, I thought it was something you just actually bought in a music store. Uh, yeah. I actually – I did the layout and design on this. Oh. I did not do the photography. Amanda uh, – Amanda Axelrod did the photography. I know Amanda. And um, if you'd like a copy of this disc, I'd be happy to send you a copy, courtesy of The Pink Delicates and Alternative Cinema. And if you'd like MP3s, I could probably spend a little time and convert them to MP3s and just kind of upload them to you. So thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you next month. Thank you for listening. Guys, so slowly drive.